In this episode of the Get Invested podcast, I was lucky enough to speak with the inspiring burst of energy that is Diana Somerville. Di has worn a lot of hats in her career, from corporate strategist to network builder, economic development innovator, innovation culture builder, regional Australia advocate, major event designer, geographical diversity implementer, global ecosystem member, and a community champion, just to name a few. Our conversation was wide-ranging and included plenty of philosophical tangents and anecdotes from Di. We covered her early career and how she invested her time, money, and other resources to arrive at where she is today, a leader and advocate for innovation and a better future. As you listen to the full episode, we're going to dive into the conversation and you'll learn a whole bunch of stuff that includes how to make some tough choices, what to do if you've lost or you're losing your professional identity, the dangers of workaholism, why society needs to rethink its perspective on failure, the power of storytelling and showing other people what's possible, how Di has managed to balance career and family pressures, and the benefits of having detractors around you. In particular, I love the way that Di has been able to overcome the challenge of giving up her rapidly advancing career in the Navy to return to her hometown of Wagga and then reinvent herself from scratch to become the founder and driver of the Australia Post Regional Pitch Fest, where she has successfully created a platform to take country initiatives to the world and reinvigorate economic growth in regional Australia. Please enjoy this fascinating conversation with Di Somerville. Before we get into it, if you're a time poor professional who's interested in investing but don't have the time, you don't have the expertise, you don't know where to start, and you don't know who to trust, then grab a copy of my book, The Freedom Formula, that gives you all of the know-how. You can check it out at www.bushymartin.com.au or email me at hello at khgroup.com.au. That's H-E-L-L-O at khgroup.com.au and mention Get Invested for a special bonus. I might add that all of the proceeds of the book are going to Living It Rough and Doing It Tough, a really dedicated group who provide for the needs of the homeless and their pets. So please get involved. And now, I hope you enjoy this interview. The notion of having to save, whether it just be 10 bucks a week, like it, just that notion of saving from, from the start, you know, that's, and that's something I really want to teach the kids. Welcome to the Get Invested podcast where we share great conversations with experts from all walks of life to uncover their secret know-how on where they invest their time, their skills and their money and the benefits that this has created. You see, the truth is that everyone invests. Every minute of every day, we're investing our time, our skills, our energy and our money in something. Some of us are investing consciously, some unconsciously, sometimes for good, sometimes for bad and sometimes for no impact. Get Invested will help you to start living by design, not by default. I'm going to help you to make it happen, not let it happen. You will hear the top tips on how you can live with conscious intent so that you can live more, work less, and leave a living legacy by investing now. Listen to the show to discover the top tips on how to get started, make the most of your investment journey, and ultimately to be living your dream, not someone else's. More episodes can be found on iTunes or at bushymartin.com.au forward slash get invested. Thanks for listening. And now let's get invested. Good morning, Di. Absolutely fantastic to have you on Get Invested. How are you, how are you going? Oh, living the dream, Bushy. Living the dream. Tell me about that. What's living the dream in your part of the world? <laughs> well, 
look, I don't know whose dream it is, but I think I'm winning. I'm, I'm winning in that in that dream. So anyway, you know, I'm living. You know, life's good. Life's good. You know, it's the start of a new year and, and a great opportunity to kick some more goals and do some great things. So I'm fresh. I'm pumped and ready for it. Awesome. Now, for those that are listening that that uh, don't have a, a massive background on die, I've had the the humbling pleasure to uh, work with Di and support the Ozpost Regional Pitch Fest a national uh, circuit that uh, ran its course right around the country last year. And what a fantastic initiative to really open the opportunity for regional people to innovate and uh, enable. Uh, it was a really enjoyable experience for me, Di, uh, and a massive supporter of what you're doing in that area. Tell us about what's happened since then and uh, where's it leading to now? Look, it was it was a really good program, Bush, and I think um, getting to meet people from right across the country and particularly regional remote people with great ideas, it kind of spun me out a little as to how much is actually going on that we need to bring to the surface. So I think we just scratched the surface when we did the initial program. So, you know, a lot about where we take this and where we go next will definitely be um, around going a little bit deeper and continuing to tell those stories because you know there's a, a great um a startup leader called joe burston and she always says you can't be what you can't see right yeah, so yeah. for it. me it's it's continuing on that path of telling the great stories of great regional people with amazing businesses amazing ideas but they're doing something about it right and they're and and they're doing it because technology is allowing them to so you know continuing on that path with pitch fest but I guess the underlying message uh, for me is really about growing, you know, accelerating business in regional and rural areas. And and that comes in a variety of different, you know, channels for me, Pitchfest being one of them, which, you know, has been absolutely amazing to work with Australia Post and bring that to life. But, yeah, definitely got another few things in the pipeline, which are pretty exciting and, and just continuing in that vein of, of trying to motivate people and, and bring great stories to the surface. Awesome. Awesome. Well, look, uh, just to put some context around where you've got to, I'd, I'd like to sort of jump right back to the start of your journey, if we could, Diane, and just tell us sure. a little bit about uh, how life began for you and what did, what did you invest your time, your energy, your money and your skills in to get to where you are today? Um, well, I guess like I started, I grew up in Wagga in regional New South Wales and um, I couldn't wait to get out of the joint. I was like, <laughs> get me the hell out of here, right? Yep. Which yep. is terrible because I live here now and I absolutely love it. But, yeah, I know, you know that so feeling. How do you get out of, yeah, how do you get out of a regional town? Well, you know, we're, we're landlocked so I joined the Navy <laughs> because there's no ocean. Right, so, you're yeah, missing the water, were you? Yeah, yeah, they're never going to send me back, right? There's no ocean, they can't, you know, <laughs> can't drive a warship in Wagga. So, um, ran away and joined the Navy, and that I guess was really um, a big start in, um, in, in terms of my desire to serve and to serve others. And I think that you know, it really built on that, and that's still, yeah. I still carry that very closely to me, not just in terms of, of defense, but in, in terms of serving others. And that, I guess yeah. that's you know, a big investment is that I wanna make a difference, I wanna help others. Um, so that really started back there in the in the defence force. And look, I had a I had a cracking time um, in the forces. And yeah. you know, people often ask, well, you know, what was it like? You know, especially as a female. And I'm like, it was fantastic. I I was very lucky, and and I had some amazing um, commanders and leaders. And 
learned some amazing skills and highly recommend it to anyone not sure about what they're going to do. But then as I was on my trajectory to be the first female chief of Navy, which is what I wanted to do, um, I came back home uh, and went to a little pub in Collingully. Now, Collingully's got about 136 people. Yep. And I met a guy called Dane, who's now my husband. So, you know, it really just... <laughs> the old heart got in the way of the head, did it, die? Oh, stuffed everything up. <laughs> well, I shouldn't say that because I'm very happily married. But, um, but, yeah, so, you know, we did the thing. He, he's a farmer. So um, it was either he sells the farm and follows me or I leave the Navy and move home. So yeah. um, moved on home uh, after a couple of years and, that, and we that sort of started been, our life together on the farm. That, that, just jumping right in there, I mean, that that's a, a major shift and it must have been pretty challenging for you at the time because uh, I, I, I don't know a lot about the forces, but there's a very clear career path, there's a, a hierarchy, a structure, the leadership skills that you get, the, the working with people in all different areas. Uh, I can see that being a very exciting place to learn some fantastic skills that, that obviously you probably put you in very good stead for what you're doing now. To, to make that call and make the jump back to a life on the farm, talk me through how you felt about that and, and how you came to grips with it. Oh, look, I, I thought it was going to be like McLeod's daughters, right? So <laughs> <laughs> it was going to be so romantic and, oh, it was going to be great and I wasn't going to work, we were going to have kids and, you know, I really was very young and naive, I think. Um, <laughs> and really we were second year into a 10-year drought. So wow. it, the reality of that was very different. And, look, I, I knew also that I wanted to have kids um, and I wanted to, you know, raise them in a place where, you know, they had more than four by four metres of fake grass to run around on. So um, moving, bringing them up in the country was really important. But, yeah. you know, financially that was a really tough, tough period and I had to go back to work to support the farm, yeah. which is fine, um, but I couldn't get a job. Right. So here I am, university qualified, ex-Navy officer, come back home trying to get a job and could not get a job to save myself and it was harrowing it was yeah. um demoralizing yeah. it you know and i i did struggle mentally really badly with that because i talk about it that i had a real loss of professional identity yes um of course so how, how did you yeah. how did you work through that i because a lot of people go through the same thing i mean uh, whether you're working for someone else or whether you're where you're trying to eke out an existence and let's face it, farming is really tough these days. It's uh, if the yeah. if the weather doesn't get you, the government or the overseas markets do. Uh, so it's a, you just can't seem to take a break, uh, and and the, the mental pressure uh, and and the flow on from that is is I don't think people appreciate and realise just how tough that can be. What did you do that that got you through that time? What was your thinking? What were the things that that uh, what the, the support network around you, what was it that actually helped you to um, survive that pretty challenging period? Well, yeah, well, you know, I'm very blessed to have great family um, and my family definitely rallied around me and I think we're yeah. kind of waiting for it to happen, having known what I'd achieved okay. young in the, in the forces. they kind of And then they saw me move back and they're kind of like, oh, this is maybe not going to go so well okay. for a while. And, you know, it took, it took probably a good eight years, Bushy, to, to okay. really pull myself out of it. It's not something that you can do overnight. I think no. the first piece is the acceptance. Yeah. Um, you know, I ended up going and selling Tupperware. You wow. Know, How did that go? You used to drive a warship, now sell Tupperware. Like it was, <laughs> you know, but it, it was such – because I needed the money, but it was such a good thing for me to do because it taught me 
humility. Yes. And it taught me the value of a job and not to have an expectation but to work towards. So I think that was in it was hard at the time, but in hindsight it was a really important step because I had to learn um, how to start at the bottom again and yes. that it was okay to start there again and work your way up. And, you know, I got back into defence as a public servant, so that, that really did help. And then I think um, it probably took a couple of years then for me to get some sort of, uh, I guess, professional satisfaction in what I was doing. Right. Um, so there was a long period there where I didn't. And I had kids in that period, which puts another layer on top of all of it. Of um, but I always felt that there was something more I could do or I could give. And... Yeah. You know, it, I, I guess we just, we, we kind of got through the drought. We got to a point where, you know, I, I was on a good wage by then working um, working for Defence. But yeah. um, So you were working I for Defence really, in, in Wagga or in the yeah, area? Yeah, well, sort of worked, yeah, in the area. So I, I spent a lot of time between Wagga and Canberra. Right. Um, worked on the national contract transition team, um, okay. base services contract. So, so I had this contract sort of head on me and, yeah. you know, I still had that foot in the door with defence so I could speak the defence language. Um, of course. But, and did a lot of project management and that sort of stuff. So it was great. It was exciting. But I got really frustrated at um, I wanted to stay locally. I couldn't move and I couldn't get promoted any right. further. So, right. you know, the, the ceiling, everyone talks about the glass ceiling. I talk about the geographical ceiling. Yes. Right? Good call. So, yeah. So it was like, okay, well, I can't go any further. So what do I do? And then I, I just started looking outside and I'd never considered looking outside. Um, and I think that's what really, when I saw the opportunity, it was really about, well, I started with grant writing and tender writing for people because I had that contract knowledge. So, yes. um, you know, and I was lucky because I built myself up to the point where I could have 12 months leave without pay. Nice. And, and have a runway where I could give it a go with a safety net knowing that I could go back. So I was very, very fortunate in that, in that, uh, uh, in that I don't know whether it's fortunate, but but by design again, that you, you strike me as someone who's quite goal orientated, and then yes. then works backwards to what do I need to do now to make that happen, and that that's a yeah. skill set all of its own, which not many people are born with or actually grow over time. So again, whether that's something yeah. that's inherent in you or whether you picked up through your defence training, just a sensational outlook on life, really. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, and, but it's not all roses and beer and skittles. Like, no. It, it, no, and I think, you know, that first part, like the first career was awesome, the, the Navy, the second career, which was scrounging and searching um, and finding place and reason yeah. um, was, it, was a really tough, tough period. But to, it's allowed me to get to a point where I'm at now. And, you know, you can't go, you can't expect to arrive at a point without having all of that support or lessons or, you know, emotions and everything to find your place in the world. And I'm still searching. Like, it's never ending. No, but, agreed. You know, I yeah. think this is the second, the third instalment, and I know there'll be a fourth and a fifth. So of course. I'm, I'm much more comfortable with that because I think we've gone to the days of, you know, having one career and getting a gold watch at the end. Like, it's, <laughs> you've got to be agile. You've got, you've got to be able to move and adjust and, and you know, and I think it's, it's just so exciting too. Absolutely exciting, and I, I think that that flexibility and adaptability uh, is a is a mark of uh, uh, people who are comfortable with themselves. Because you've you've been through the desert, really. You've you've been through the yeah. the the forty years of famine to get in touch with you, who you are as a person. Well, and then, well, yeah. 
Uh, but I think the resilience that comes out of that, I mean, I, I, listening to what you're saying, I've been on a similar path. I've spent many years as an architect and then uh, uh, burnt my family because I was never there. I was working seven days a week, 14 hours a day and, and turned around and, and they weren't there anymore. And that was, that was very challenging for me. You know, I was one of these country boys that was brought up, you're going to get married, uh, have kids, uh, build a career and then uh, retire on your super at the end and uh, <laughs> had that really strong country work ethic where, you know, it was the old-fashioned, the bloke goes and earns the, earns the coin and the, and the wife looks after the house. That's how I was brought up. It was very much that sort of yeah. routine and that just doesn't work yeah. anymore and uh, yeah. that was a very bitter lesson for me and, and really uh, made me reflect internally uh, to look at, well, what do I need to change? What do I need to do differently? What do I need to come to terms with in myself to be able to uh, learn from, I'd consider that a pretty major mistake, and then move forward with that? It sounds like you yeah. went, went, sort of met your own demons along that similar journey. Yes. Um, the, uh, and, and, I, and I think adversity is what brings out the best in us. For those of us who are able to learn from those challenging circumstances, it just makes us better as people. What, what's your feeling it around does, that? It does, it does. And like in the startup world, like the notion is fail. Fail fast and fail often because, yes. you know, that whole nature of failure in Australia, it's this terrible word and, oh, my gosh, if, you're, if you fail at something, then you swept to the bottom of the pile. And we really need to change that way of thinking culturally that it's okay to fail and the best piece of it is it gives you the best lessons to learn and grow from. So I think if we can instill a culture of, oh, yeah, like I'm stuffed up but you know what, I'm, I'm getting back on the horse and I've, I'm getting back on the horse with an extra bag of tools in my, in my, um, in my, in, you know, able to use wherever I can and, and great lessons. So, um, you know, I think it's hard for anyone and, and for anyone that's out there that's listening, like you're not alone and that's probably one of the best um, things that I've found. I'm very open in talking about my experiences and I find the more I talk about it, the more I realise there's so many other people out there that have experienced it. Like yes. it's very, very common but I think don't think that that's the end of your career or whatever it is. There's, you know, there's another page to turn and another chapter to write and Absolutely. you're the only one that can do that. So, you know, for me, yeah, like I, I felt like I came out of the wilderness and getting out, like you've got to think I've worked public sector pretty much my whole life Yep. and then I got out and I started a business on my own and like it was like this cap had been lifted off my head and <laughs> I could innovate and no one was going to tell me no. It doesn't yes. you know, fall into the legislation or the, you know, yes. whatever it was. And, the QA manual. You know, so it was yep. like I, I'd had this like suppressed um, creativity, uh, philanthropic nature uh, that – that just was unleashed when I stepped out. And I think sometimes you've got to be brave enough to step out yep. to see what you're missing out on. So, yep. you know, I had no idea though. Like I, I was brought up in a in a small business family and, and we, you know, we spoke a lot about business and it was very much a, the world that I lived in. But, you know, public sector to running your own business, I sat around the, the farm table for six months having no idea what I was doing. But, you know, I, I was sure I was, you know, getting somewhere so you've got to start yeah well that the courage that I'm, I'm hearing coming through you you're you're prepared to have a crack and most people get in that comfort zone of 
well, I'm a bit scared of what's uh, over the around the corner. I'll just sit here and it's not that good. It's it's okay. It's not that good, but but I'm too fearful to make the break. What what is it you think that uh, we can do to be making people more comfortable to have the courage to jump and build the wings as they as they learn to fly? Because um, it's definitely that it's assemble the plane on the, uh, the parachute on the way down. But the, I think that you know, really, it's it's that for me, um, it's the storytelling. It's allowing people to see other people doing this, and you know, that's really what the pitch fest was about. And um, and I think too that as we progress as an ecosystem, when I talk in startup terms, um, where it's becoming more and more evident for people, but there's more and more avenues to enter into that pipeline right so yeah we call it side hustle right you've got your side hustle you've got something that you're working on yes. on the side so you can have your nine to five and you've got your security and you're paying your bills like and it. you're not entirely happy but it's a, it's a sustainability piece there yep. but on the side you've got your side hustle and you know it's it's the passion piece it's finding what you're really passionate about and then trying to look at how there's problems around that and you're going to solve the problem around that and yes and then you have things like there's incubator courses there's you know so many startup courses now that you can go and work out of hours a couple of hours a week and and sort of chip away at your side hustle and then you'll learn really quickly whether this is something you want to pursue or not yes. and i think you know we're making it easier for people to do that through these sort of programs and um whereas they didn't exist before you know you had your job and then you went home you had family and you had life and, and that was it like yeah. there was no such thing as a side hustle no. and um and there was definitely no avenue unless you sort of did it through a TAFE or um, a business enterprise centre or something like that, but they weren't geared up to do what we do now. So I think the, the culturally we're changing to be much more open to people doing things on the side yeah. and we have programs and, and, and support there to help people do this stuff on the side to get it up. And I think once you dip your toe in, you'll know whether this is something you want to do. And, you know, we I run an incubator and we're fourth cohort in yeah. And every new cohort is, it's funny to watch their progression. I bet. At the start, they're very tentative. They're like, oh, I've just got this idea. I don't know, you know, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And they get to the end of it and you can tell. You can tell the ones are going to make it because they're yeah, what, full of passion yeah. about their idea. Okay, I was going to say, what, what separates those that you know are going to make it from those that don't? What do you Passion's see? Passion's probably number one. Right. Passion. Yeah. Like they've got to have the passion. But the other thing is, is, is the problem they're trying to solve. Like a lot of people will go, oh, this is really important to me, um, <laughs> so I'm going to do something about it. It's like, well, that's just you. And yeah. if no one else the cares. problem you're solving isn't relevant to yeah. a market, then yeah. what's the point, you know? Yeah. So, um, so, but passion has a lot to do with it. And I'm very much a people person, so I always look yeah. to that person and go, have they got the passion? Have they got the nous? Have they got the hustle? Like are they willing to put the hard yards in and yes. make this happen? Like yeah. so, those sort of things are really important. But they're, they're things that you'll that will come naturally to you if you you know if you're passionate about what you do. Yeah, so, I, I'd love that. You know, I, yeah, I really love what you're saying there. I, I, the side hustle is a brilliant way of because uh, what we do is in a parallel to what you're talking about there, Di. Because what we what we say to people who are interested in property that that don't know where to start, don't have the time, don't have the expertise, and don't know who to trust, is okay. Well, let's let's treat this as a as a Side hustle. I haven't used that expression, but I'm going to start using it now. Thanks, Di. Yeah, so you, you. you better copyright that one. 
Uh, well, it's because, not mine, so. <laughs> well, yeah, because well, the side hustle is a great way to describe it because uh, what I often say to yeah. people is, well, uh, a lot of us try and make everything happen through our work and uh, it's we've got to enjoy our work and it's got to create our income and it's got to create our wealth. Well, I guess through bitter experience, I've found that quite often that's just, you, you can't do it all through the one vehicle. So uh, what what uh, my wife and I have done in that regard is is very much what you've said. We, we generated income initially that we then sidelined into property and, and I've always had a passion for property. I mean, as, a, as an architect, I was always a sickly, asthmatic country kid designing homes while I was sitting in bed. That's pretty much uh, uh, how I grew up. So uh, that passion there has, has been very strong and it's a, it's a, it is a key ingredient of the whole mix. But uh, the again, coming back to that courage to be, to be able to do something in parallel with what you're doing and, and make the time is uh, whether it be property or whether it be the 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 new business that you or an app or whatever it is that yeah. we're looking at. Uh, the, the thing I constantly encourage people to do is not just focus on the one track, to actually uh, use that track to help create a, another that then allows you to leapfrog and make other things happen and to yeah. test it, to test it. It may not work and it, it doesn't matter if it doesn't work. And, and coming back to what you said before exactly. around making failure uh, an acceptable and an expected part of life is a yeah. really big step for most Aussies because we do, we put enormous pressure on ourselves. We're, you know, the old she'll be right mate thing is, is good, but uh, I think we have become a nation where we're expected to be perfect 100% of the time. And uh, I'll be interested yeah. in your thoughts around how are we going to change that culture? Because you're obviously doing it with what, what you're doing through the incubators and whatnot there in, in Wagga and getting people to accept that failure is a normal part of life and, and, and the, the steps you need to go through to get to success and however you describe it. How do you think we are going to inculcate that change? Di, what are you doing that's working in that regard? Well, I think a lot of it's about like cultural change can only come from from I guess an uprising within the community and yeah. to me it's getting the community on board and a level of understanding um, I think there's a big you know well not not in terms of property but definitely in terms of startups and which is yeah. you know where I live and breathe is that there's there's no um, there's a real education gap so you've got the believers the people that yeah. get it the people that have seen success with it and then you get the people who are sitting on the outside that really don't get it and really don't understand. And, that, and, you know, I think it's filling that education gap so that everyone in the community is aware. But you don't just go out and just, you know, blast it through the networks. You've got to bring people in and bring them um, into a safe, nurturing environment. And yep. I think when you can do that with some strong leaders yep. um, over a period of time, I mean, this stuff doesn't happen overnight. Like I look at... Um, you know, my mentor, Simone, who, who lives here in, in Wagga, and she's been at it for six and a half years, you know. It's, it doesn't yeah. happen quickly. But what no. we're seeing now is the tides are beginning to turn, government's starting to understand. The general public now a little bit more interested because it, because they've seen um, a lot of it um, in media or whatever it is, they're yeah. starting to accept that this is actually okay. And, I mean, you see the same with, with investment, like in, in, in terms of investment of, financial means like a, a lot more people are taking a bit more notice of their super they're taking more notice of their long-term financial goals and i think this next generation are going to be uh far better at looking to how they're going to do that and 
it, it, it's, I think, the openness of, of the internet, the access to information, but um, people are willing to talk about this stuff now. So, you know, there's, there's lots that I'm doing in the startup space that, that's trying to help that, not just in Wagga, but across the whole nation. But, you know, collectively we've got to be very conscious of rising together. And um, I guess that's something, I, I, like I've just returned from the States from a, a trip over there and I spent a, um, a fair bit of time in Silicon Valley and, and San Francisco and I really saw a huge divide between the really wealthy and the really poor. And um, and the gap just appears to be growing. And I think, you know, and, and a lot of that's due to, like, the extreme success of some startups in the in the valley. And, and, and the cost of living is just exuberant. Like, yeah. why people do that and the work these ridiculous hours yeah. just does my head in. But yeah. we've got to be conscious in Australia that we don't want to be that. We, we want to have everyone rise together because when we rise together, everyone is far more successful. So, yeah, yeah I think that was a... A really cool takeaway from that from that trip. I don't know if that answered your question at all, but anyway, that's die. I just babble on. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was uh, that was uh, some really good insights in that, and I I think the uh, the other thing that uh, you just sparked a thought from uh, talking about the trip to the US and uh, having spent some time myself there. We, we actually own some property in the states, and um, uh, we spent a bit of time over there. And the the thing that we we tend to forget is just how bloody good we've got it here in Oz, and uh, I mean, oh. I'm a country boy. I was born in, in a tiny little two-horse town called Garake in Western Victoria. Um, I've, I've moved around with my folks. My, my old man became a stock, stock agent with Dow Geddes for many years, so we're always in uh, rural communities helping the them yards. work. Yeah, you got it. In the, I spent, my, spent my, all my holidays in the, in the cattle yards and uh, the sheep yards pushing, pushing cattle and sheep. And loved it, by the way. Uh, I, I just I love the smell of sale yards now because it takes me straight back to the uh, to that oh, exercise, the old the old shit on Gee, your shoes to prove team guy. I know it sounds a bit scary, but there's something something uh, very familiar and uh, takes takes yeah, me back to a pretty good upbringing because I was lucky enough to live in a town where, and I'm sure Wagga was the same, but we never locked the cars. Yeah. The key was always in the ignition. Uh, our neighbourhood was the whole district because no one cared. Uh, yeah. It was a really safe place and an <laughs> awesome place to grow up. Yeah. And uh, oh, yeah. I, I think the – what I – because I'm, I'm one of those that's a bit, bit like yourself, couldn't wait to get out of the small town, uh, went to uni and then, then followed architecture around the, the globe, actually worked all over the place, but, but realised later on just how good life in the country was. And mm. now I'm back there. So we, we live on a farm uh, in the, the hills south of Adelaide, uh, beautiful part of the world, and we've now got the benefit of uh, all of the stuff that the country brings, but the technology like we, like you and I are using right now enables me to talk to people anywhere, yep. anytime, and do anything, so it's a pretty exciting time that to be alive. It. It's, it's an amazing opportunity for our regions, and I think regional areas are beginning to see uh, to see this happen, and like when when we did Pitch Fest, I did I did this quote at the start of every single Pitch Fest event, and it's a quote by Brendan Yell, and it's that uh, tech has trumped the tyranny of distance, yes. and place no longer matters. Brilliant, right? So, so, so what that means is you can be a regional business, you can start your business, I don't know, in Narracore, and your first customer can be in Hong Kong. Yeah, you know that's the power. 
that's the power of the internet, right? It's the power of e-commerce. And I think our regions are beginning to go, wait a minute, you know, we've got an opportunity here because you, you're seeing this massive influx of people moving back to the regions, right? Mm. They want to bring their kids up in that regional environment. They can't afford a house in Sydney or Melbourne or no. Brisbane. Like, they have to get out. Yeah. Um, but they're coming back and and they're starting their businesses back here because it's a really safe environment to do it in. You've got low overheads, your cost of lease is far less, exactly. your you know, your inputs you can afford to buy your house outright with you know, like it's it's just such a different environment. But and I think that's we're beginning to see a few stories filter through through media and a bit of chatter about this, you know, whole return to the regions piece and yeah. as people look to get outside the city like i did a post just yesterday on density like yeah. you know why are we concentrating on building more and more and more in one place when we've got the technology now to be connected anywhere in the world you don't totally. have to totally you don't have to be there like look at look at what's happened in boulder in the states like that that's a group of guys that um and girls that were in the startup scene in the valley and just said, you know what, we don't really want to live in the valley. We love snow skiing. Let's move to Boulder and we'll start something there. And now you've got probably the second largest ecosystem in America, you there know, you in go. Boulder, in there Colorado. You so, you yeah. know, it, it doesn't matter as much as I think it has in the past. And I think the important thing for people in regional areas is, okay, you've got your job, but if you've got that idea, now is the time to do something about it because it's, it's really, you know, growing, but not just an idea in terms of startup, but you know, your businesses as well. And, and I've got some great friends with great stories that have moved back to the region, started their business, kept their clients in Sydney and are just yeah. kicking it out of the park. Yeah, well, that's that's, you know, but, that's exactly what we do. We, we, most of my clients are city-based, yeah. metropolitan, but we, we live, I can't see a neighbour from where we live. I, a house on the top yeah. of the hill looking down the valley and uh, it's a, just a fantastic way to live. And uh, I, yeah. I, I, I wake up in the morning and... And uh, I feel like I've been kissed on the bum diet because uh, kookaburras, the dogs, uh, you, you know what it's like. You, you probably do exactly the same. It's just, just bloody awesome. Look, I go for a walk in the morning with, with the dogs on the farm and it's beautiful. But, you know, I think a lot of people, I don't know what the, the misconception is. I just can't understand what the hell is going on in their heads and why do they think living in the city is any better. Like, yeah, I'm <laughs> but, with you. you. Know, we, 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 we do have running water electricity now, so, you know, we're really moving <laughs> Um, and that's another thing that really frustrates me is, it, is a lot of people from the city will be going, oh, we better get out to the regions and we better help them. Well, I think now it's getting a point that I think we need to help them. Yeah. I think we need to help them see the opportunity that, you know, why? Why? Why are you doing this, you idiots? Yeah. <laughs> like you sit in traffic for hours on end. Oh. Like I, yeah, it just Can you imagine? But, I can't you know, even imagine. And a lot of people, sorry. Yeah, go on, sorry, yep. Yeah, just a, a lot of people will say, oh, but there's no jobs in the regions. Well, that, you know, to me that's BS. Create your own job, you know? Like, what, what do they call um, a job? Just over I, broke. I think... a, a job's just over broke. So uh, uh, this is where if we come back to that courage that you spoke about, uh, we talk about the the mindset of re... What, what I love about country people uh, that that I see a massive difference between country people and and those that have uh, been brought up in a more metropolitan suburban environment, is that, that we our pa patience and persistence muscles are actually pretty developed. And uh, mm -hmm. as we all know, uh, anything that grows successfully, if we want, let, let's, take, uh, let's take an orchard, let's say we're going to grow some fruit, 
Well, we, we plant it today. It's, it's, we've got to nurture, cultivate, de-weed, take it through the, the hot summers, the cold winters. And if we're, if we're lucky, we're going to get a good crop out of it, maybe 10, 15, more likely 20 years. So uh, we are used to our expectation around time, I think, is that we treat time as our friend, not as the enemy. Because we, our expectations are right. Because we, we expect that success in that format is going to take that period of time. And therefore, we go in with the right mindset. Because, because we expect that success comes from patience, persistence, and continuing to do the things, knowing that eventually the results will come. Versus uh, the unfortunate, uh, those that are brought up with the instant iPhone everything, where everything's at the fingertips and therefore there is no patience, there is no persistence and the expectation that, that I'm going to plant a seed tomorrow and I'm going to eat the fruit tomorrow uh, is, is something that I think, uh, uh, as you say, we, the, those in the regions have got a, a lot to communicate to those that are, have misconceptions around expectations in the, in the more uh, suburban environments. What, what, what's your thoughts around that? Yeah, look, I agree to a certain extent, but I also think it's not just a metro and a regional piece in yeah, terms of patience call. and expectation. I think that's probably more yeah. a generational thing. Yeah, it's a good call. Yeah, and I think they um, that that generationally there's an expectation that it's here and it's now, but that 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 is the world that we're going to live in. And yeah. but it doesn't take away from a need that for some things that doesn't apply. You know, like yeah. I think it's it's that education piece as to what that can apply to because with that comes great opportunity, right? Yes. Yes. So, you know, because people want it. They want it now. So, you know, you create something that allows people to get it now. Well, you know, you're going to do well out of that. Yeah. Um, look at Amazon, like, geez. Sure. Um, but, you well, know, you, Amazon's you, been you, a long time in the in the making too, Di. That there was a, oh, shit, the, the, Like, the, it's years and years and years of this stuff. A long and, time. But I think... I think also though, like when when you talk more about financial, but also like investing of your own time, like if yeah. that's something like I look at what I'm trying to achieve, I'm probably three years into probably like a twenty year plan in yeah. in terms of investment of my time and energy into something I'm passionate about, but I'm not going to really reap the benefits um, as far as uh, from a satisfaction point of view for a long time yet. Sure. Um, but my financial goals have to be long term as well. So. You know, they've got to match that. But I still have an expectation that if I want something, I do want it now. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that's, that's just probably my age and, and, and yeah. But I, I think, with, you know, to touch back on that piece of what regional people have to offer, I think, you know, their, their intuition, their ability to adapt and overcome, yeah. um, their ability to just get on with it are all such positive things. We're innovators in by nature. Yeah. Um, but something that we really need to work on as a collective group is the dialogue because if we're telling these stories back into the city of, you know, woe is us, it's so hard on the land and you know, it's so terrible and, you know, that, that negative talk that we talk about and we're so hard done by, you know, yeah, yeah. I think we've got to flip it. We've got to be talking about what's great about our regions and, you know, what's exciting and put a positive layer over what we do and live together in that way because, um, you know, no one in the city wants to hear a whinging, no, you know, right. regional person go Absolutely. on about how unlucky they are. Absolutely, you know, and, right. and the and the the difference now is that we can, like, we can we can create our own things where we are and not have that reliance as much as we used to have on the cities. Yeah, no, very good call, awesome call. Hey, I, I just picking up on something you mentioned around your long term plan. 
Uh, mm. What are they and uh, <laughs> what does it look like and what are you going to invest in in terms of your time, energy, uh, money and skills to get from where you are now to where you want to be? Just talk us through that. Yep. You want to know what's really funny is my team sitting at the computers around me and actually laughing because I think they want to know the same thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, pray tell. It does sort of change every day, but yeah. Um, look, I, I think long-term, Bushy, it's, for me, it's about ensuring our regions have a future, a sustainable future, and that, you know, that my kids and my kids' kids, if they want to choose to stay in the region, that they're going to have a really prosperous um, and sort of uh, really enjoyable life that they you know don't feel the need that they have to go, or if they do go, which is great, they have the opportunity to come back. So you know, for me, it's about making our regions in in Australia and in the rural um, areas as much as the regional and remote areas really strong, vibrant communities. So that's you know that's my end game there as far as what I'm doing and what I'm driving to get there. You know, things like Pitchfest is a step, the Agri Hacks a step. I'm doing a conference this year, 8.8, um, which is a regional innovation and small business conference. So, you know, there's lots of little things that I'm doing in, in that piece to try and help build um, build the education in the first sense. So it's about closing the gap, um, particularly with councils, business chambers, you know, all those feeder agencies and what their role and part is, but also what the opportunity is for them to build new businesses within their community through the startup scene. So, um, so that's sort of like the first step, I think then the second step will be the implementation of it into these communities and helping these communities grow and build further, yeah. um, you know, and then to that point where we have these great satellite towns that are hubs of activity and opportunity, um, you know, sort of 20 years from now. And uh, I think from a sustainability point of view, we're going to have to because our cities yeah. just can't continue to go the way they do unless right. we want to end up like San Francisco, you yeah. know. Which we don't. No way. Um, so you know, so that's sort of that that plan, and and you know, I have a I have a real interest in politics and and having a voice. So that's probably maybe somewhere where no. I'll end up. But you know, who knows? I've got to behave myself. Heaven so. forbid. Heaven forbid. I've I've been there. It's ugly. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't dipped my toe in yet. So. You've got you've got um, uh, you've got too much uh, positive passion to be compromised by uh, the political <laughs> environment. But but I'm a little bit jaundiced because I I spent a lot of time in the Northern Territory and got. Uh, very heavily involved in the political environment and didn't like what I see. Actually, there's uh, particularly the big party stuff is is pretty ugly. But I, that's for another time. Yeah, but, uh, uh, yeah I think I think it, but it's, it's a long term piece, and 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 again, I think it really ties back to my desire to serve. Yes, um, which has sure. sort of been in everything I do, and um, but you know, look, I'll continue to be and putting my time and energy into into telling stories, into um, helping others rise. But I guess the core part um, to make my business sustainable as well, like you've got to put food on the table and you've got to build for the future, right? And I've built a few products now that have allowed me the time and the space and uh, I guess the, the opportunity to really invest in, in, in other things now. So yeah. um, the hard yards are beginning to pay off. But, you know, my real piece will be around helping communities build from within. So going into communities and helping them bring all the players together and and really lifting, you know, with councils, working with councils, working with business chambers. Like business chambers today, they, you know, they concentrate on the shops that are on the street. They don't see all the shops that yeah. exist online. Yes. You know, and it's about educating them and saying, okay, there's a whole workforce of people out there in your community and, you know, you've got to help 
them lift and, and you've got to be aware of them. You've got to be supporting them as much as the shop owners. So, um, you know, that's that's sort of where my head's at. I think okay. there's, you know, I nev- I'll never say no to, to too much. I think there's, you know, opportunity <laughs> will always present itself at the right time and, um, you know, we'll see what happens with, with Australia Post, with the, with the Pitch Fest and, yeah. you know, I think that, you know, the connections I've been able to make over the last 12 months and meeting amazing people like yourself, Bushy, like it's, it just, I think the opportunity will present itself and I've got myself to a position where I can jump at that opportunity if I want to. And I've got a great, great group of um, people around me, great staff that, you know, allow me the freedom to go and do those things. But that just hasn't happened overnight. That's that's a long-term investment yeah. <laughs> into, into yeah. the right people, into the right processes in my business. Yeah. And, you know, that sort of stuff's important to get you to that point. Totally agree. The... Uh and and full admiration for what you're doing there. I, I I love your passion and the fact that you do allow the world to bring opportunity to you because I, I think you become a magnet if you're emanating that sort of energy level of actually, without getting woo woo, uh, it does attract people of a similar ilk that 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 see the uh, positive side of where that can all lead and the the synergies that come from collaborating with others is just uh, as you know with the partnerships you've built very quickly have been absolutely awesome so hey but let, let's bring it back to a, a personal level because I you know I mentioned before that I stuffed it up the first time because I worked too hard and, and burnt burnt the family <laughs> uh, you, you must have some challenges there because you, you, you travel a fair bit uh, you, you're very clearly very dedicated to what you do uh, that 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 requires a pretty strong uh, supporting partner, and and obviously Dane yes. Dane's working pretty hard on the farm. I'm guessing if he's if he's uh, into cattle. He's a cattle. funny legend. Yeah, there you go. He's there you go. Legend. Talk to me about that because it, there's a, not a lot of yeah. relationships that survive that sort of pressure. So, how does it right. work for you at that level? There hasn't been um, beer and skittles in that either. Like you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's marriage, right? Yeah, um, yeah, and, totally. I mean, we were, young too and and um you know we've got two kids so judd's 10 and lace is eight and you know they require a lot of um attention and and you know they they really are at the at the middle of everything that dane and i do we do everything really for them dane's working the farm to provide for a future for the kids and you know i'm doing the same to provide for a community for the future for the kids yeah so, so everything really in that sense is joined. Um, I think Dane and I are extremely different people. Um, yeah. We, you know, we're very individual yeah. uh, within our marriage, which I, I find really, like we, do, we love doing stuff together, but we're very um, happy for the other to go off and do whatever it is that they right. want to go do. And awesome. I think that that comes from trust. Um, yeah. yeah. But also too, like it may just be our natures that we, we don't need to live out of each other's pockets and we'd actually prefer not to. Yeah. Um, but, you know, for it, it hasn't always been like that. I think, um, you know, for a lot of years I did all of it as far as, you know, the kids and, and working and, and I didn't do as much travel in defence um, as a public servant, but there was, a, yeah. there was enough and we had nannies live in and, yeah. and all that sort of stuff. And, and then yeah. it sort of got to that point where I was ready to jump out on my own and, and I'll never forget this conversation at the farm table, and I wish I bloody recorded it because I don't think I'll ever hear him say it again. But he, he leant across the table and he goes, you know what, you've given so much up for the farm. You gave up the Navy. You've given up, you know, with everything with the kids. He said, this is your turn. And awesome. it's not like I felt I needed his um, approval or his, you know, anything like that, but it was 
it was the kicker I needed to lose the guilt I have and I put on myself. Yes. And that's very much the mother's guilt yeah. that we do to ourselves. Totally. And, yeah, so it's not that anyone puts that on us. Um, often we put it heavily on ourselves. And, and what that allowed me to do was to go, you know what, I can. And awesome. that then, like, it, like it unclipped my wings and I was gone. And I think Dane's, like, he doesn't understand what I do. He thinks I train unicorns. That's what he tells everyone. <laughs> um, you know, Love I, I don't produce anything, right? I don't, I don't physically, tangibly have something that I can go to a shop and sell. Like, and he just... He's like, I don't get it. I don't get what you do, but anyway. Um, you build spirit. You build spirit, which creates community. That's what you do. <laughs> but he, yeah, I do. But it's it's not physical. You can't see it. You can't touch it. You can't, you know. And it, yeah. But anyway, he um, I think he he enjoys seeing me so happy and so passionate and so driven that that sustains him. He sort of thinks, well, you know, she's off. She's doing that, and I'm like, you know, I make I make a good living out of what I do. Yep. Um, so and he is, he is more than happy being on the farm. And, you know, as long as I don't book anything on a Tuesday night when the darts comp's on, we're all good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a mad, mad field hockey player. So my whole uh, winter existence revolves around playing hockey on Saturday. And my, my good wife, Sonia, knows that, that any social event or any business or any other activity is off the table when it comes to hockey. So I, I get it, yeah, darts you, and hockey. You still look at how many, how many events at Pitchfest, like we did 56 events last year. How many of those were on a Tuesday night? Yeah. <laughs> Not many. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, yeah. I, it, that, that's brilliant. Because I, and I think that's important to share, Di, because uh, uh, I think people forget that you know, there's too much focus uh, globally, really, on the individual. And at the end of the day, I know, know myself that, uh, without my good wife Sonia, I wouldn't be enjoying the lifestyle or or the success that 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 we have enjoyed and continue to enjoy. And it's the recognition of the differences. Um, the, the, uh, Sonia and I are very different people as well. It's a real yin and yang. You know, it's uh, I'm the peacock. She's she, she makes it happen quietly behind the scenes. No, you hadn't you hadn't realised that, had you? No. <laughs> But it works brilliantly, and it's that recognition of each other's strengths and weaknesses, and and as you say, giving each other the freedom to fly, knowing that mm. that's actually going to be to the betterment of the of the relationship and the family long term is is fantastic, yeah. and uh, absolutely applaud yeah. that. And I, I just I think I, uh, th- that uh, if you're both on the same journey and recognise that you've got uh, different paths to trod along that journey, then that's half the battle, and and. Uh, I, I just think that the partnership part of it is a really important part of what you're talking about in relation to regional people growing their business opportunities through entrepreneurship, and it's a no different in property. What, what we often see in the property scene, for example, is that uh, one of the partners will, will create the income while the other partner builds the wealth through property, and it needs both of those to be doing that to actually make that successful. So uh, I... I you know, that's it, and that, that's what the farm is for us, Bushy. Yeah, like it's, of it's course. It's the centerpiece. Like it's the yeah. thing that's a long-term investment because it the is. the financial gain of the farm is not in what we get every year. The financial yes. gain is the value of the land over time, and exactly. you know that's our that's our big play. And, your nest and, and as far yeah. as the sustainability piece for the future, like that's that's a really important key part of it. And Dane's got to be there to do that. And, yes. you know, I've got to be able to provide an income off farm to do that. So, you know, there, yeah. there definitely is. But I did want to touch on too that it's not just your your partner in life that's 
that's the important piece to to success. And yeah. I think you know I've been really really uh, fortunate to have a great tribe around me um, of supporters. And look, yeah. you know, there's dream squashers out there, and they're important too because you know <laughs> you just get this great motivation to prove them wrong. And, yes. You know, I do that. I do like to do that a bit. Um, but, yeah, so, like, you know, I talk about my mentor, Simone, and she she has been phenomenal. She's what I call a cheerleader in life. You know, she's on the sidelines. She's like, go die, you're awesome. And then it all turns to shit, and she's like, go die, it's okay, you know. So those people are really important to have in your life. Yes. And I think surrounding yourself with positive people that, that understand the journey you're on and are willing to, to support you along the way, uh, it's just as vital um, as anything in terms of success. So, um, you know, you, yes, having support from from your life partner is important, sure. um, but it's also important to have a tribe, a agree. tribe of believers or, yeah. you know, believers totally if you're into, yeah. you know, into and Swimming uh, in yeah. a pond of people who believe the same. It's the, the old Simon Sinek story of, you know, uh, be with people who believe what you believe and amazing things can happen. And, again, yeah. what I admire about yourself is, is uh, you make it crystal clear what you're about, and that by virtue <laughs> of doing that, uh, people are attracted to it. So you you say you're lucky. I don't say you're lucky. I think you've worked bloody hard to be able to oh, attract you. the sort of people that you need around you to make it happen because they they have a lot of faith, and you give them hope, which which fuels passion, which actually then mm. achieves results. So uh, that, that that flame that you produce is a, a big part of. Attracting that team, the, the team hasn't happened by luck. It's happened by people going, I, I love what Di's doing. I want to be part of that. I'm going to help him make that happen. Mm. Oh, thank you. I'll pay you later. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, just, just before we talk about where to next, uh, if, if we reflect on your journey so far, Di, and if you were talking to uh, yeah. uh, your younger self when you just finished high school, uh, mm. What would you say to young Di, and what would, in terms of where she should invest her time, energy, in, income, and, and money, and skills, and what would you, if anything, do differently than what you've done to date? Sure. So I guess um, you know I was really lucky to go to university and get paid to go to university through defence. You right. know, like yeah. no hex bill Brilliant. on a on a wage. Yeah. You know, but I. I didn't do I pissed it up the wall. You know, you do that when you're 18, right? Of course you do. I bought, my, I bought myself a nice SS Commodore U and I thought I was pretty hot shit. But, Did you um, have the foxtails? Sorry? Did you have the foxtails and the rhubarb on the front? No. No? I, didn't that I, I was classy. <laughs> I had some B&S stickers, but I was classy. No. Um, but, but I think, you know, from a young self, I think, um, you know, I really should have saved more from, you know, having a, a culture then of saving, of putting money aside. Um, and, you know, I think from the start, if I'd done that, um, you know, could have financially been in a very different position now um, because I was on a good income. So the notion of having to save, whether it just be 10 bucks a week, like it, just that notion of saving from, from the start, you know, that's, and that's something I really want to teach the kids. So that's probably the first piece that I, I'd, I'd look to that sort of career that I had with defence in uniform and out of uniform and yeah. I've used that opportunity a lot more to build 
um, a little bit of a safety net or something for whatever the next thing was, you yeah, know. Okay. I think I, I didn't know that there was going to be a next thing, you know. I just thought, oh, this is my life and I'll just keep plotting away and, and defence is great. But yeah. um, I should have used that opportunity um, in a better way. Yeah. Um, uh, I think too, like I um, I guess one, one sort of thing that I wish I did do that I didn't do is I didn't deploy um, when I was in the Navy. I had a, had a chance to and I, and I didn't. And... Um, that's something I think I'll always, you know, be a little, I don't know, not regretful, but, you know, it's something I wish I actually did was do Why? some actual active service. Because you do all that training and to never put it into practice, it's, um, you know, and then also to um, to really serve, to have done it like fully fledged and, um, yeah. but, you know, and also the financial benefits, like, hello, like, you you know, you health card for life, you know, yeah. there's, there's a great, benefits that if I'd just done that one tour it would have set me up long term but right. I think when you're young you're just not thinking on that big picture and of course and that's you know that's the beauty of hindsight isn't it like it is. you know it is I think also too is um you know and, and we're in the same position at the moment it, it feels like we're still fighting to get somewhere financially and um but I think if I can accept that sooner rather than later, that that's just life, that yeah, you are yeah. on a journey and you are yeah. constantly, and, you know, that whole what you were talking about, the expectation that it comes tomorrow, like getting more comfortable with that notion for my long-term financial em- employment is probably, you know, that. So I've probably spent a few more years in the military. Yep. I probably, um, you know, I, I don't think there's much else. I think, you know, I'd probably choose not to go through a drought again if I could because sure. that was shit. I bet. Um, yeah, that um, you know, look. Those sort of things and really though, if I'd done anything too differently, I wouldn't have sort of the mixed match of skill sets that I have now that I draw on for all different things. So, yeah. you know, that, that sort of piece. I think I wish I jumped out earlier and started my own thing earlier. I think, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, yeah. that, that fear. And, and Yeah, and but also too, like for the first six, 12 months, like I was so scared to make a decision because I was so used to someone telling me what the decision needed to be. Yeah, of course. You know, so hierarchical. And I think had I come out and gone, right, Di, you're the boss, you know, you make the decisions and you run with it. And and it took a long time to get comfortable with that. So I think if you could shorten that time frame, like you probably (laughs) would achieve a lot lot quicker. So, you know, but... you know, there's, there's. If I hadn't done things the way I'd done them, I, I wouldn't have held an event in Wagga, and Australia Post wouldn't have been in the audience, and I wouldn't have had that great opportunity. Exactly. So things happen for a reason. Totally so, agree. So, yeah. and that, that yeah. and that belief there is one that and not a lot of people have either. It's it's accepting that well, uh, this is leading to something else. I don't know what it is yet, but I have the faith that it's no. going to take me in the right direction. So th- that is awesome. Well, here's hoping. Yeah, I, I have no <laughs> doubt, Di. I have no doubt. So. Uh, I'd uh, be right behind you 100% there. What, one quick one, if you, again, just looking back over the past, what's been your best investment to date? And, that, and as I say, that can be investment in time, skills, money, you name it. What, what, what would you say has been your best investment? In myself. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that that's um, – I don't want that to sound really narcissistic or anything, but um, – but just a belief in myself and a, and an investment into um, an acceptance of what I can be without, you know, the fear of tall poppy syndrome, the fear of, of those sort of things in yeah. that. 
the building of my brand, the building of who I am and where I want to go, and the taking the time to to give myself the space to think about that. Like, yes, you know, yes. I've, I've just come back from the States and my head's like spinning and I've already told the girls about 15 new things that I want to do and, and I think <laughs> they're freaking out. But, you know, my, I, I need to give myself now some space and invest in myself to know what I've got to do next. So yeah, um, I think that, that taking time out and allowing yourself time to assess, um, to, to check in on yourself, so um, you know, that, that – that's probably, you know, other than my kids and my husband, um, probably the best investment I've made yeah. in, in terms of, of being uh, resilient and being strong to take whatever comes next. So yeah, love it. without, you know, yeah. But financially it's probably the farm, you know. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, now we've taken the big leap and we've bought the next block of land and we're to so the eyeballs in debt, but it's, it's a good investment because it yeah. centers us and it's something for the future that, yeah. you know, now we have to be patient because we're not going to pay it off tomorrow, unfortunately, yeah. unless you could help us out with that. that yeah, I can great. definitely <laughs> help you with that, but that's a, that's a chat for another time. Uh, the, one thing that I, I do want to just uh, zero in on what you said there, and again, it's something that, that not many of us uh, make the time to do, and it's something that I, I probably take for granted, and it's what I call living by design, and that is every year taking some time out to reposition and refocus, and without the the noise that everyday life gets in the in the road, reflecting on where am I now, where do I, where do I want to be, what do I need to be doing differently now? Given the the massive opportunity, we're so crowded with the noise of opportunity in this world that it's it's very easy as an entrepreneur in particular to get distracted and ch- chase the next shiny thing. But the oh. what I love about what you're saying, Di, and, and it's something that we try and inculcate in the people that we, we help along this journey is that uh, regular reflection exercise to get, get yes. clear around yes. your vision, uh, to reflect on, well, where are we now? Uh, and, and the real benefits of that living by design, not by default, is that, one, it gives you a magnet to uh, focus your passion and it keeps you on that journey. So if you've got got clarity around what that looks like, then you're not likely to get distracted because it also provides a compass because each and every opportunity that gets thrown your way, if it's not taking you closer to where you want to be, then it's a lot easier to say no. And uh, Completely agree. Yeah, and it's something that, that not many people talk about, Di. So that you're saying, well, I need to, need to make the time to now to reflect on what the next step is. Uh, mm. I absolutely encourage you to make that time and 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 take mm. the time out. Take four days out and uh, yeah. put a line through it. Four? Wow! Yeah. Do you guys hear that? Like I reckon you need four days. We, four days every year is what we do, and and we need that four days because yeah. it's it's a, a day thinking about it, a day brainstorming, and then two days actually working out. Okay, what are we? What are the action steps to to yeah. make it make it happen? And if you do that, it'll it'll change your life and the team's life because the clarity that comes out of that is awe-inspiring. So um, yeah. uh, no, Paul encourage you to make we the time. A, we do an annual plan and you should see it. It's uh, it's pretty intense at the moment. <laughs> but, yeah, but it's definitely something that we do as a group. Um, but because things do change so often, we've got to yeah. keep coming back to it. Of course. We've got to keep going. You know, and for me, you talk about that, that compass, that north. Like for me, it's about coming back to my why. What's my yes, why? Yes, exactly. Why am I doing this? Why? And if it doesn't align with the why, then why are we doing it? You know. Totally. Um, so that's that's got a big piece to it. So yeah, yeah. Brilliant. A couple of couple of other bits and pieces. Then, if it, 
is there one guiding quote, and you mentioned the quote from Brendan Yells, which I think is a, yep. a cracker for regional people. Is there, is there one quote yep. that, either your own quote or a quote that, that tends to guide and has been a bit of a guide for you over time that you want to share with? Uh... Uh, yeah, okay, so here's one. Um, and and um, this was said to me by my 10th grade um, home homeschool, not homeschool, what are they? Your home group teacher, yeah. tutor teacher. And, and uh, she said to thine own self, be true, like be true to yourself. And yeah. I think that's that's definitely one that I still think about now that I've, I've got to be true to myself. I've got to yeah. be realistic. Yeah. Um, I've got to, yeah, be very honest with myself. Yeah. Um, that's that's probably one. But, you know, I love Nike. Come on, just, <laughs> just do, do it. it. Yeah, exactly. Oh, Oh, yes. And, you know, I guess, and then and another one like that that I that of most like for myself that I, I do say a lot to people is that ideas are great, but they're worth nothing if you do nothing with it. Yeah. And you know, yeah. it, it's so true. Like so many people come to me, oh, I've got the best idea, and I'm like, oh yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, you know, let's see some action. So action <laughs> trumps idea every day of the week. Yeah, so, every day. Of you week. know, I think that's that's probably another guiding principle that I'm more used for other people. Yeah, um, and try and live out through example myself. So. Love that, love that. Now, if you again, this uh, uh, a lot of the listeners are avid readers uh, and, and avid podcast listeners, for that matter. If you were to uh, talk about uh, the one book that you think uh, everyone should read, and/or the one podcast that people should listen to, what, what's your suggestions around that? Me? Okay, well, I've got it right here. Is this go. book? Yep. What is oh, so it's, oh, you probably can't see it. Um, it's a podcast, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it's called, uh, especially in the startup world for people um, that are, um, you know, either work for councils or business chambers or any support agencies like that or people that want to get involved. It's called Startup Communities and it's by uh, Brad Feld, okay. F-E-L-D. So that's probably like my favourite startup-y sort of book yeah. um yeah. but um yeah that's that's where i'm at but as far as podcasts like i listen to the mark boris show all the time i think he's fantastic yeah, yeah. um you know but like the um the harvard business review is great okay. i really enjoy it yeah. um but th there's lots of different ones i i'm more will go like i'm really into elon musk at the moment and learning about yeah. him and yeah. so i'll just listen to all the podcasts that he's in yes so i, I will yeah, rather love than podcast i'll pick yeah. a topic and yes. then try and get across different podcasts yeah to, love it i do the same yes. i hadn't thought about it but i do exactly yes. that yeah, yeah good call. if you get one one podcast you're really only getting one viewpoint I and agree. i think you can yeah, yeah so podcasts are amazing though like the rural business collective um does yeah. one as well that's fleur anderson and she is a firecracker up in queensland yeah. so she's yeah. got some really great stories of people that have been there and done it as far as um startups in regional and rural communities and awesome. great stories so awesome. yeah that's another really good one to look out for sensational no that's sensational i'll, I'll tune in a couple of those myself because i'm an absolute podcast freak i just love them they're just a great way to soak in energy and, and avoid the the bullshit. I mean, I stopped listening to the news 15 years ago because it's just all crap and it's all negative and it's all doom and gloom and fear and greed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I reckon podcasts are a brilliant way to do it. Um, sort of bringing it to a close then, Diane, and, and very mindful of your time, very appreciative of the time we've had a, had a chat. What, what's next on your plate? What are you doing? And uh, how, pe how can people contact you to get involved? 
So um, probably uh, the, the first thing's AgriHack. So we do an agricultural-based hackathon that's on the 1st and 2nd of March. Okay. Um, but the, the, big, the big piece for this year for me, uh, along with PitchFest, and, and more news will be coming out about that in the coming months, right. um, but uh, is 8.8. .8. So as I mentioned before, this is a regional innovation and small business conference, which yeah. will be held in Wagga in August. Yeah. Um, and we're really hoping to have some great discussions around some more um, I guess challenging topics, but bringing the feeders of our communities, the the chambers, the the, the councils, together right. with the startups and the leaders, right. and having that sort of discussion around where our futures are regionally and how we can use startups to to really drive commerce in our region. So awesome. really excited about that conference. But everything I do, I've um, I've built a website that has it all on it. So it's called uh, regionalentrepreneur.com.au. So yep. people can check it out there and right. keep up with uh, what we're doing and obviously we're on social and um, across all the different um, businesses that we've got going. But, um, yeah, like really, really just keen to see what else is going to um, rise um, for this year and I'm, I'm sure there'll be more. I'm just sort of waiting in the wings to see what happens. Yeah, well, that's a, a great way uh, to let it happen. I'm sure it's going to happen, Di. And, uh, again, I'm very appreciative of you giving me a bit of time to have a decent chat. Uh, loved your energy right from the get-go uh, when I had the pleasure of meeting you with the OzPost uh, Regional Pitch Fest, uh, which was I had a had a I had a glow for a week after the uh, exercise <laughs> here in SA at McCrown Vale. It was just a sensational event and some great oh, people and a really good energy level. So uh, I uh, love the time. Been great to have a chat. Uh, I big supporter of what you're doing. And would love to continue to do that uh, when and if the opportunity arises, dies. So keep on, keep on keeping on. You have a sensational time and uh, would love to have you back uh, on a regular basis just to check in and find out what's happening. Sure. And thanks, Bushy. I think it's reciprocated your energy too. And what you're trying to achieve for, for people out there is uh, remarkable. So anytime, buddy, anytime. Awesome. Excellent. Well, you have a, enjoy the rest of your day. Uh, we'll keep in touch and... Um, uh, look forward to following your rise and rise. Thanks, hon. Good on you. Thanks, Di. Talk soon. See ya. Cheers, bye. Well, Freedom Fighters, how good was that? To get a summary of all this investment gold in the show notes, just email me on hello at khgroup.com.au. That's H-E-L-L-O at khgroup.com.au. Or check us out at www.bushymartin.com.au forward slash get invested. I look forward to joining you next week for another episode of the Get Invested podcast. So thanks for listening. And as always, dream as if you'll live forever and live as if you'll die tomorrow.